So hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Getting Sexy with Steph. And today I am super excited because I have one of my best friends, Alicia, here. And we actually met, I was trying to figure out actually how to word this. It's kind of like a somatic embodiment, tantric, personal development retreat called Path of Love. Basically. <laughs> Does that sound about right? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, so we met a few years ago. Um, doing and embodying a lot of this work. It's uh, you should go check it out. Path of love. It's I'll put in a little plug for it. It's pretty awesome. But Alicia is one of my favorite people to talk about all things sex and relationships with, because we are both women dating in our thirties. So we have a lot in common and actually a little bit that's different in our approaches to dating. So today we were just going to discuss the realities, like the realness of what it's like to be dating in your thirties. So welcome, Alicia. I'm so excited that we're here together. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited too. This is so fun. So, okay. So I'm just going to like jump in. So some of my most favorite conversations with you are when we are taking screenshots from dating apps and we're like, what in the actual fuck is this picture? Or like, does this this person doing, or like we're both Virgos. So sometimes it's like their bed's not made. So there's no way I could ever date this person. (laughs) Oh my God. I remember that guy actually, (laughs) literally you're like, look at the six pack, but wait, look at behind the six pack. And I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, he can't make his bed. He must live with his mom. Like, you know, it's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite hilarious. I think between the both of us, we've had some just, I don't know, kind of crazy conversations and, and different things. So I'm curious for you, like what has been one of the things that you love about dating in your thirties? Let's start there. What is something that you, that you love? So I know for sure that I show up differently in my thirties than I did in my twenties. You know, I felt like in your twenties, people are graduating college or maybe they didn't go to college, but they're with their high school sweetheart or whatever. They're settling down, they're getting married, they're getting engaged, they're having kids. And you feel that pressure like, oh my God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Right. And then in your thirties, you're past all that. Cause they're all married now and, and most likely miserable or like chasing toddlers and crazy. Right. Some of them might even be divorced. And now you're at the point where it's like, okay, whatever, this is who I am. And if I just align myself with who I am truly to my core, my most authentic self, I'll find a person or I'll find multiple people. Right. But at least it's like, you're past that drama of like, I need to get married. I need to find a partner. And I think that's what changes from your twenties to thirties. You're more yourself. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hear you say like, you you really do. You come into your own. I don't know, like hitting 30 is kind of a magical number and it really is. You just have less fucks to give. And I imagine that, you know, at every stage of life, your forties, your fifties, all of us, it's the same thing, but at 30, really, uh, that neediness kind of goes away. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you still want the same thing. Some of us still want to get married, still want to have kids. You still want the partner. That's why you're dating. But that's why everybody dates. They want a partner. But we just put so much more pressure on it when we're younger. I think that, you know, we can just have more fun when we're older. And that's what I've been trying to do, you know. (laughs) 
also feel like we have more clarity of what we want and what we don't want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you always have this wish list, this uh, list of qualities that I want in a in a partner. And and that really, I don't know, maybe you still like have it, but it's much more refined. And and it's quite funny sometimes, like you will put things like that, like does not live with mom, like actually owns a house like, yeah. or not like owns a house, but, uh, you know, doesn't it doesn't sleep in their car, like all these different things. I remember that story too. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. It's like, it changes, right? In your 20s, like, oh, it's fine. If he lives with his mom, we'll move out together. We'll get a place together. And then in your 30s, you're like, do I really want to get a first time apartment with somebody who's been living with his mom until he's 35? It's like, not really. No, no, not interested. Can you imagine? Yeah, I can. I dated one of those for sure. (laughs) Tell me about it. Yeah, absolutely. I can. I can't imagine. So yeah, it, the, the list is still there, but it's refined and it goes more towards like your core values instead of what looks good or what everybody else is doing or what society thinks you should have in a partner. I think that's what changes. Like you said, become more yourself, less fucks, way less fucks to give. So many less fucks to give. Yeah. And I feel like you notice the red flags early on. Mm. right? You can like there, well, there's the opportunity for that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'm almost like so scared of the red flags. Like the second I see like a quick little flash of a possible red flag, I'm like, get away. What are you doing? Like, no, we're done. Never talk to me. You know, it's like, it can go both ways. Cause like, you know, we've been so traumatized with dating. I think when you're in your thirties that you're kind of like, I'm definitely not doing this again. So if you give me this much of an opportunity to think that you're going to do that to me again, you're out. I'm cutting you out. So I don't know. It can go both ways. I wonder if you've ever had an experience with that either. Actually, you know, that's true. And, and I think that that happens. And sometimes, you know, you, you're even more, um, you look for them more. And so yes. when you're looking for something, you're going to see it and you're like, oh, shit, he's doing this thing that this one person one time did a long time ago and it ended like this. And there are there are a lot of projections because when you're dating in your 30s, you you've dated usually quite a bit of people. Right. Or you, you know, had different partners. And so you've had a lot of experiences and it's hard not to project past experiences onto a new person. Whereas like that might just be a little nuance of something in their personality or like something that like a conversation can fix. You're like, boom, 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 back away. No, no, no. I will not do this again. (laughs) That's interesting. It's so true. Cause you know, even fighting is different. I'll say that. Like I, was in a very serious relationship in my 20s into my early 30s. And the fights were always, you do this, you do that. You made me feel like this, right? It was always you, 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 you. And now, you know, I'm dating again. I have a serious partner. The fighting is more like, I notice that you're projecting this past trauma onto me, or I feel like you are trying to say this, but really you might mean that. Like the way that we approach the argument totally changes as well. And I've noticed that not just dating, but even relationships and the fighting is all completely different in your thirties. Yeah, absolutely. And so I love that, you know, you are, you're having these conversations and the, the, you know, fighting in this way, because 
you know, that's something that I, I, I look for in partners is like, how do they communicate? Because it actually takes a very deep self-awareness to be able to say like, I'm feeling this and it has, it truly doesn't have anything to do with you, but this is how I'm being triggered. And I wanted to talk about it and bring it to the table, but then also have the other person not take it personally, not have it trigger them. It's like, I feel like there is more self-awareness, but at the same time, there's so many just like clueless, oh <laughs> like, like it's just, it's, there's not any, any self-awareness out there with a lot of people as well. So it's yeah, weeding through true. that as well. Yeah, it's true. And I think it really just depends on how much work you've done on yourself and how much work you've done with other partners, because you don't know what your triggers are if you've never felt them before. So you need to know that you've been triggered, feel what it's like to be triggered, and then have the awareness of that same trigger reoccurring. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of my triggers in relationships are the same over and over and over again. So I know what my ex created in terms of trauma for me. And now when I feel that kind of same, like, oh, I'm getting triggered again, I could say that to my boyfriend and be like, okay. I know where this is coming from and I know that this is why I'm showing up this way. So I guess not necessarily just your thirties, but having had multiple relationships where you've done that work, right? Yeah. I feel like we're going so deep and so serious so quickly and I didn't intend to, but like, I didn't either. Like all that's coming to mind is how, you know, you heal relational trauma in the context of relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was really do conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you don't think about it like that. You think like, okay, I was with someone who was horrible to me. Now I need to be alone. I need to like recenter and find myself. And that's true. You do. But if you want a partner, you're not going to be able to have a partner without a partner. Right. So you need to do the work with a partner with a partner. Like it's just, you can't do it by yourself. You can only heal by yourself, but you can't move forward and fix stuff without someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what I find like, even on dating apps, I am now so upfront. I'm like, if you have not done personal development, like just swipe by, like it is something that I put out there because you know, it's, it is a fairly new concept for people. And like, I do have a lot of grace. I mean, we all have to start somewhere And what's also true is like, I'm not, I'm not there to, to, you know, guide somebody. Like I need somebody who has an understanding that they're going to be triggered and three months down the line, they're not going to be like, see you later. My attachment wounds are showing up and I'm, I'm bailing because I'm freaked the fuck out over intimacy. Like I need somebody who can experience that. That's fine. Like, of course. Fear, fear in a new relationship is totally normal. You know, that's totally normal to have fear over intimacy and over a new partnership and to be triggered. But to be able to communicate that is something that I really look for. So even like when I'm first dating somebody, like, I mean, I have fun and it's light and like, you know, you're enjoying it. But I like to throw in like a little bit of, you know, like words, like relational trauma, attachment styles, like, what do you think about all this? And I mean, I throw in all the fun, sexy stuff, like, well, what's your erotic blueprint and like all these other things. But I also want to know that, you know, this person has the ability to meet me at my depth and to go deep and they want to create a partnership that 
is, is going to be lasting and is going to be nourishing to our souls and not become codependent or too avoidant people or anything in between. Like I'm looking for a secure partnership to grow. Yeah, that is. And it is so hard. I, I try to work on that now because I'm definitely with an avoidant and I'm an, and I'm an anxious attached. Yeah. Anxious yeah. attached. And I constantly have avoidance. Although, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily avoidant, but he's just showing up as an avoidant right now with me. Right. And you know, what's interesting is like, I feel like we'll always make the other person always becomes what we are used to or anything like that. So yeah, basically it's like having those conversations and throwing in those little words and saying like, you know, you're projecting, like, what is, what, what do they say when you say something like that? Or what are your triggers? Like, how do they react to something like that? Or what are your biggest traumas from past relationships? I like to ask questions like that even. And yeah, I don't know. It's hard because you're still figuring it out too, right? It's not like you have it all figured out just because you're in your thirties. No, hell no. I mean, and I'm sure any like woman in their fifties would be like, oh, girls, just wait. Literally, just wait, just wait. Just wait. It gets even better. It does. I mean, it's great because I do feel like quicker, like into the relationship, you get more connected with somebody, with your partner than you did in the past. It took longer and longer to like kind of get to the core of who they are. But sometimes that's scary too, because then you get to the core really quickly and you're like, oh my God, this is who they are. This is it. Can I accept this? Or is this not actually going to work for me? And it's like, now there's that pressure of knowing instead of like, wanting to be like everybody else in your twenties. It's like, I know that this is who they are. Am I going to accept this or am I going to walk away? And that's just as scary as like knowing, no, this isn't for me. How do I make that decision now instead of waiting six months and letting it crash and burn on its own? I think that's what I've been noticing in dating as well just to bring it back to dating a little bit. Like, don't you yeah. feel like you have more of an awareness of what you want and you can figure out who they are sooner. So you're like, Oh my God, no, I like this person a lot, but I know that this one thing is never going to change about them. And I need to let them deal with that on their own or find somebody who actually wants that. Right? Absolutely. hundred percent. I do. I do feel like you jump into a lot of these topics, you know, a little bit faster and that you do, you, you see, you see what it is you're, you're working with. And is this something that I really, I want to work with? And, and, you know, here's where it gets complicated. Cause like, what if the sex is really good? Oh, <laughs> please. Oh my God. Don't even get me started on that. I mean, maybe that we should go that way. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Chemistry and sexual chemistry are two totally different things. And it's taking me a long time to realize that I'm sure you've learned that as well. Like, yes. Oh, and yeah. why do the lines blur so much? You're going to have the <laughs> best sex with the worst possible person for you. And I know because I did it for six years, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, that is so frustrating. It is really frustrating. Yeah. So, okay. I'm curious. Do you dive more into the sexual relationship or that like emotional depth first, or does that kind of depend on who you date? I don't know. I just, I just thought of that and I'm, I was kind of thinking about it for myself. So I'm curious what, what your take is. I feel like this is going to get open up a whole new can of worms as well, but I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. I think for men, it's the same thing. 
but for women, it's not. And Mm. I think for a man to really know our bodies and create sexual intimacy with us is one piece of a relationship, but emotional security and safety is the other. But for a man, I think they view it as the same. And that's actually a conversation I've had with multiple partners already where it's like, well, if we're having sex, it's because I care about you. And I'm like, I, I just want to have sex. Like that has nothing to do with, of course I care about you, but that has nothing to do with why we're having sex. And that's been a constant argument for me. And of course, this is like a very heteronormative male, female type relationship that I'm absolutely, but yeah, yeah, that's my perspective of it. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, I think I find that to be very true. And, you know, I work with a lot of women and men and, and this comes up quite a bit, you know, that this is you know, traditionally women do need a little bit more time and they need that emotional connection. And if they don't feel that emotional connection, it does, it shuts them down. It shuts the pussy down. It shuts down the sexual desire. And that's a lot of times why I recommend for clients, it's like build up and lead into it, especially if you're in a little bit longer term relationship where you're not just like humping like bunnies every every time you see each other, because it's all new and honeymoon. And you're just like, all I want to do is fuck you. It's like after six months to two years, when, you know, you're really falling into the relationship, it's like, plan it out, like plan out the nights, like plan out sex, plan out your date nights, because then you can like say, like, I want emotional connection. I want emotional intimacy during the day because that is my turn on and that gets me ready. And that sparks my desire for that night when we have it. And it's going to feel so much better for me if I have, you know, all of these, these different kind of like emotional connective tools earlier in the day as well. And I, I feel that way, but I, I have had the exact opposite happen in relationships And I feel like maybe it's just the men that I date, but oftentimes if I put pressure on them to say like, Hey, let's go on a date tonight. Or, Hey, let's have like sexy time tonight. They're in their head, just thinking like, I have to perform. I have to perform. I have to perform. Mm -hmm. And that shuts them down. So I've taken the approach where it's like, it's off the table. It's not my decision. And again, this is like, because I'm, I'm attracted to men and I'm usually a very more dominant masculine type is what I'm attracted to. I let them rule it. And that's why I think it's so much more connected to emotional attachment. And I've noticed that when I take a step back and just let them do their thing and like they decide when they want to have sex, they decide they create the intimacy and I just have to show up. It doesn't mean I'm always going to, but they're the ones that dictates it so that I can just show up vulnerably and be there for when it's like, ready for them. And that's why I think they get that emotional bond with sex because they're the ones saying, I want this, I'm ready. And I'm going to create the space for you to feel comfortable. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a beautiful dynamic. And, and, you know, I find that a lot in like the BDSM world, right. Yes. Where the, you know, the man is a little bit more of a dominant and they, and they do, they provide a safe place an experience for their sub. And I think that that trickles over a lot more into relationships and people would like to admit because BDSM is still just like, Oh, so fucking taboo. We can't talk about it. That's just like chaining and whipping people. And like, no, like it's actually, there's an emotional power dynamic there. And I actually agree with you. Like, I love it when a man just, um, takes charge and you feel like you have that space that you can fully just melt into your feminine 
And when you're in that feminine, that's when it's like the orgasms just flow and it's juicier. And you do feel like that emotional, um, safety is what it is. It's like, I can just show up and surrender into this experience because he's holding the space for it. Right. And I think it's not just the man that has to do that. And it's not just like in a dominant submissive relationship. I think with any two people, only one person can make the final decision. The other person is agreeing, right? No two people can make the decision in a relationship. One person's the leader, one person's in charge, and the other person is like, yes, that works for me, or no, that doesn't, and let's revisit. So the one who's in charge is the one that's setting the stage. And yeah, somebody always has to show up and be like, yes, I agree, I'm with you 100%. And it's finding that balance over and over and over again, because it changes constantly, I think. Oh, it totally changes. I mean, it changes all the time. It's like, you catch me when I'm ovulating and it's like, I I need you now. I need you right the fuck now. now. Like right now, just get, get going. Like bend me over, (laughs) you know, so there there are times when it's like you're in different phases of your life or phases of your cycle, you know, even, and those are also things, you know, that most, most people don't necessarily even talk about. So the dynamic is, and this is why you know, I, I find with dating, it's like, I talk about sex upfront, like even before we've had it, like I am bringing it to the fucking table the second that we, you know, start meeting somebody because I want to know what their perception of it is. I want to know, um, how they hold space for it, how they relate to it, what kind of things they like, um, you know, and, and that also tells me once again, like, do I want to date this person? Like, do I want to be with somebody who has these kinks or this quality or is, you know, into this or not into this or doesn't have, you know, doesn't meet my sexual, like there's a lot of different things to look at. Mm. And yeah, I think that sex talking about sex, like upfront <laughs> when you're dating, like, I think sometimes like, it's like, Whoa, this is, this woman's talking about sex. Like, and we've only known each other for 20 minutes. And she's telling me about a sex magic practice. I mean, maybe it's a little much, but whatever. It's who I fucking am. So <laughs> I don't think most men would complain about that. They're just probably worried that like, you're they're we're going to put a hex on their dick or something like that. I know my ex used to say that to me all the time. He's like, you're a witch. He used to call it radar. Like I knew what he was thinking about when, whenever he was thinking about sex or wanted it, it's like, I had this radar for him. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm a witch. So, you know, that's how that works. But what I was going to say with, with, with this dating, it's kind of like, yeah, you do want to talk about it and you want to be upfront and you want to see if the chemistry is there, not just emotionally. And like, are we compatible? But you also have to be aware that like the second you bring up sex, you have to accept the fact that you're going to get some dick pics. And that's that. It's going to happen. And it's kind of like how you weed them out. Not because whether or not the picture is good or bad. It's like, why are they sending it? Did I request it? And, you know, is it warranted right now for me to receive this picture? It's like, they want to show off their prized treasure. Look yes. what I have for you. <laughs> and you're like, Ooh, it's not that it's ugly. It's not that I don't want it. It's just like, I, I'm not, that's not why I'm talking about it. I'm talking about it to see if there's a chemistry here. Not because I need your dick right now. Send me a picture, please. Exactly. Oh (laughs) my God. Like I just, yeah, like, yeah, we want to have sex. We want to talk about it, but surprise me, honey. I'll see it later in person. You know, it's like. Exactly. Especially if you haven't had sex yet, like don't send the dick pic. It's like, it's like Christmas. We want 
the yes. box. Like we want to open it and unravel yes. it and be like, oh my God, look at your cock. Exactly. <laughs> like, present it like a Christmas present. Like right. we, we know we're getting a gift. It's under the tree. We want to unwrap it. Let us unwrap it. Why are you opening our presents for us? It's not fair. <laughs> like somebody else blowing out your birthday candles. No, you just don't fucking do that. It's part of the excitement. It's part of the, you know, the whole chase. It's fun. So yeah, yeah that's that's why we don't like them, guys. It's not because we don't want to see it. We want to see it. I promise you. We, we do want to see it. Just, just not over text, not on Tinder. Thank you very much. Like, no, we love your cock, but ask for consent. I even think exactly. that like, if you're in a relationship with somebody, it's like, can I send you something? Like, I have a desire to send you this. Like if somebody said that to me, I'm like, Oh yeah. Because it's like, you can feel their desire to like show you or to like share with you. And I think that that's a fuck ton more sexy than just like opening up your phone. It's like, what if I'm like, sitting here with grandma or like at the fucking grocery store, like, right. you know, sometimes you just don't, I, I mean, sometimes it's kind of fun too. Like, the, but like, I think it's really awesome too, to just like ask, like, Hey, I want to share something with you, but after you've already seen it. Like you said, <laughs> right. It's totally different when, you know, and then you set this expectation. I feel like guys don't realize like they're, they're almost shooting themselves in the foot when they do that because the pictures could be edited. They could have the best oh, lighting yeah. ever. And then you're in bed and it's dark and maybe you're whatever, tired, tipsy, whatever the case may be, the first encounter. It's awkward. It's already awkward. You've, you're taking off your clothes for the first time in front of somebody. Like no matter how confident you are, there's going to be some nuance because you're not used to each other. And it just you're expecting something then when you've seen it already. I don't know. I think it takes away all the fun. And then in the relationship, yeah, baby, hey, I want to see you. And then it's like, you can send the picture and make it fun and creative and cool and sexy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay. They want to see me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's totally different. Totally different. So I'm curious, have you ever got a dick pic and you're like, this isn't yours? Like, there's no way that this is fucking yours. Oh. And then like, and then you even like see it in person. You're like, no, this was like, where did you, like, did you Google dick pics or something? And just like pick one that looked semi like. <laughs> that is so funny. I, I remember I used to have a picture saved on my phone of the most perfect picture. The most perfect dick pic I've ever received. I don't remember where I got it. But it definitely wasn't real. It definitely wasn't real. But I remember like saving it just because I wanted to show everybody like, have you ever seen one like this? It's so perfect. Like, I think I showed every single one of my girlfriends. This was years ago. And she's like, have you ever seen a more perfect dick? It's like, yeah, no, for sure. I have. And it's, it's like, so random. I don't even think I ever met the person that, that sent it to me or whatever. But yeah. Because sure. once again, it takes away the fun. You've already seen the Christmas present. The Christmas exactly. present's already been opened. Exactly. So yeah. We we want to be teased. We want to like, yeah, like we want that that first time. Like, well, it goes. It has to go both ways with guys. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm I'm making an assumption here. But if I send you a picture of my boobs, I don't know. Like, what's the fun in taking my shirt off? Then it's like the same thing. I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. Don't you want to wait and see it in person? You can't touch them. And that's half the fun, right? You can't touch them if I send you a picture. So in person, you, you can squeeze them and move them around. It's like, 
the same <laughs> concept, right? Like, I don't know. Like if, if you send me a picture, it's not like, I don't know, I'm going into a whole different, <laughs> going to a whole different tangent here, but you see what I mean? It's like, it does yeah. it only goes so far. And then it's like, mm, what am I going to do with this? This is boring. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I think that it's got to be, I don't know. It's got to be some, something. So actually, that's a good question. We should, we should ask men that question. <laughs> yeah, like, do you want to see them beforehand or don't you want to be surprised? Like, don't you want to be able to like. Right. The first time. I mean, that's usually the first thing that happens, right? Top comes off. Like that's usually exactly. like, the exactly. first thing. It's like boobs. <laughs> always, always, always. Yeah, literally. And you know, this is another thing I was going to ask statistically, what would you say percentage wise, how many guys did you meet up with after you received the dick pic before seeing his dick in person? Oh my God. Like so low. It's so low. I'm thinking like less than 5%. Honestly, I was thinking that too. I was like, is it more like, like zero to five? Like I know I have, but like, it's low. It's Mm -hmm. really low. Mm Mm-hmm. Because honestly, appeal. it has to be really, there, I don't know. There's got to be something really exciting about it for me to want to meet you after you set the picture to me first. Exactly. And, and I'd say we're two pretty sexual women. So hearing yes. that from like women with high sex drives who really fucking love our orgasm and sex, like that's, that's saying something, right? Yeah, <laughs> really. Cause it's kind of like a major turnoff which is so funny because that's what we're looking for in sex. <laughs> we want the dick. So you're sending it to us and then it immediately turns us off. It's like, like, let this be a lesson. Like this needs to be a PSA. Like in 2022, we're not sending dick pics anymore. Like going forward, that's not happening. I, yeah. No more, no more. Oh, if you want hilarious. to meet up with us, then don't send the dick pic. <laughs> It, it basically uh, like solidifies that you're not going to meet us in person. I feel 100%. like we need a billboard. Yeah. Like don't send the dick pic. I don't, don't know. We can have like a dick and like, like red. Men are going to be like, are these women lesbians? They don't want dicks. Well, we want no, the we, dick, but we, we, we want it wrapped up in a present. Yeah. <laughs> we want to do the unwrapping. Right. <laughs> oh my god oh my it's god so I love true. it it is so true so I'm curious uh before we we wrap up here what are your favorite dating apps and why for uh women in their 30s and I'm sure this probably goes across the board but like what would be your favorite dating apps I think and I'm thinking about my personal experience of course it depends on what your end game is so mm. when I decided I wanted a boyfriend and wanted to get serious, I downloaded Match. And that's how I found my current partner is on Match.com. And I used to think, just a side note, I was like, this is the most desperate app. I feel like people who go on Match, it's like they're just desperately waiting to get married, right? And if you think about it, you remember that episode in Sex in the City where um, I think it was Miranda or Samantha that's like, men are just cabs. Like they have their lights on and they're ready or they don't, you know, they're either lights on ready to pick up a passenger or they're not. And it's the same thing. I feel like with dating apps, like, you know, Tinder is kind of like, yeah, I'm shopping, but I'm not ready to buy today. And match.com is like my lights on. I want you to get in my cab. Like 
it doesn't mean that they're desperate. It just means that they actually want the same thing as you. And when I finally figured that out, I was like, oh, wait a second. There's a different level of commitment here. You have to pay for this. So they actually do want to meet a partner. And I find Bumble, this is going to take us into another tangent, putting the onus on the woman to go first, I think automatically turns men off. And there's this weird emasculating quality to it. I've heard this from men. It's like, well, women never message me first, so I never get any messages. But if they were the ones initiating the message, they'd be messaging a lot more women. And that bothers me about Bumble. Mm-hmm. And then Hinge, I have just had the absolute worst dates in my life from. So I like steer clear of Hinge because, mm-hmm. oh my God, this, like a few in particular, I'm just like, you seem so great on paper. Like Hinge is like the good on paper, but like you're finding out that he still lives with his mom and like snorts Coke in the bathroom. Like those, that's Hinge. <laughs> I so relate to that. The Thank last answer okay. is I was like, did you read my like journal list of every quality on paper that I want, even down to like sailing, like hobbies, all of it. And then I, I was just like, oh my God, like, can you just <laughs> shut up about yourself? <laughs> you live in your car. It, what? it was horrible. <laughs> oh my God. It was so horrible. Uh, oh the sex was good, but it was horrible. Um, that's hinge. That's, that's, that's hinge to a T. <laughs> if you want someone who looks good on paper, has a great cock and good sex, go for hinge because he'll, that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to get. Absolutely. He'll probably send you a dick pic too. Honestly, he'll probably send you a dick pic. Match.com like blurs those out, I think, but on hinge, you're going to get them. <laughs> And if you really want dick pics, go to the app called Field. <laughs> oh, yes. That one I haven't had much experience on. I did try it, but I feel like Field is like unicorn hunting. Yeah, it, it is. It definitely it. is. It's it's um, a little bit more geared towards um, like, you know, more open relationships and yeah. people looking for unicorns or group play, BDSM, certain kinks. And you know what I do respect about that app is how upfront everybody is. It's like, I, I want this. It's cool if you don't like, that's awesome. But this is what I want. And everybody's just so damn upfront. And so it's wonderful. And I've actually met a few really cool people and had some cool experiences on from that app. But um, yeah, that one's a little bit less lights on and a little bit more like we want the blaring sirens or like, (laughs) I was gonna say it's almost like a polite Tinder. It's like, we're ethically non-monogamous. Like we are fucking a bunch of people, but we know that we're fucking a bunch of people. We're not doing it behind your back. Like your Tinder date is. We're upfront telling you that we're going to sleep with everybody that we want. And and that's great, but it's so polite, right? Like it's so different. Like an ethical Tinder. I love that. Field is like (laughs) the ethical Tinder. Hinge will be for paper perfect. hinge was my toxic ex-boyfriend to a t like literally it's like you have all the qualities i want on paper but in person you haven't done any of the friggin' work like you don't even have any awareness of yourself like that's him yeah zero (sighs) self-awareness yeah that was my experience this man had no self-awareness at all Mm -mm. (laughs) and they don't care they don't want to like don't care and that's cool like to each their own it's fabulous like but yeah. yeah, that's, that's, I have very similar dating experience. Dating experience. <laughs> so, yeah. So, okay. And I just have to give a little shout out for the sex in the sweaty rest, sex in the city reference, because you know, that's, that's our thing. That's our, that's our jam. I so know. to wrap up, 
what would be your number one dating tip or dating advice for women in their thirties? Oh my gosh. This is what I say all the time. And I've been weaving it in this whole conversation. Be authentic, be yourself. And I don't mean like, be so honest that you scare people away. I think a lot of people get that wrong with authenticity where it's like, well, yeah, I want this, this, and this. And like, if you don't have $50,000 in the bank and drive a BMW, I don't want to deal with you. Like, no, that's not what we're saying. We're saying figure out at your core who you are so that you can show up as that most authentic version of yourself. Not that you list your demands and if they don't meet them, like, oh, well, I was honest. I was authentic. No, not authentic. Be yourself, do the work, find out what your triggers are, what your, you know, desires are, what your fantasies are, and be able to translate that into your communication style with your partner. So they know at your core, yes, that's Alicia, that's Stephanie. I know who she is and that's what I want. Because if you can't be honest about you, they'll never know if they can be your partner. I love that. That's so beautiful. Mm. I'm just like holding that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Ah, well, thank you so much for getting on here and chatting about everything deep to billboards with the eggplant emoji. (laughs) This is why I love you. (laughs) It wouldn't be real. It wouldn't be authentic if we didn't talk about that. (laughs) If an eggplant billboard didn't come up at some point. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I just love you. Love you too. Thank you so much. This was fun. It was fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week for Getting Sexy with Steph and Alicia, and we will see you again soon.